This is the People's Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Here's Bick Nazar and Randy Janda. Welcome to Hour 2 of the show. Thanks for making us part of your day. If you're listening live on your radio, on the pod, always appreciate it. Find us on your local podcatchers and subscribe if you've been away for the summer. Now you're jumping back in and you unsubscribe for us for uh, June, July, August. First of all, we're not hurt. Don't worry about it. But we appreciate when you subscribe to all the pods as well. Speaking of being back, Dom back from Vegas has got the day club vibes going on with this music. Like I feel like I'm a wet republic. Tau. Tau. Tau? Tau. Okay. Tau. What else is there? Dry? Excess. Excess. Yeah, there's Excess. There's uh, Encore Beach Club. Yeah. Hard Rock. I don't know what that one's called. I don't know what it is. I, I think they shut down Hard Rock. Yeah. Was that the one where the fire was, or there's some other incident? There's fire everywhere. Oh, you mean like an actual fire? Yeah. Sorry, I thought you meant Pyro. No, that was Mirage back in the day, the, the fire. Remember the, Treasure the, Island? That's the one. Yeah. It's been a while since I've been but, to Vegas. Dom, we'll check in with your trip later on. Yeah. So just a little tease. Got a lot to get into. Uh, this hour, you will have your chance as well to sound off on the JT Miller contract and the direction of the Vancouver Canucks. 2.30, we'll do that. We're going to talk to uh, Matthew Collar in just a second, Vikings reporter. And we'll do our record predictions, division winners coming up here in just a bit as well. Never wrong. Well, we'll, generally speaking, during the season, we'll do power ranks on Tuesday We'll, we'll marvel at Big Six on Fridays. Marvel is the right word for it, you think? Marvel. I, I'm, I'm, I got high hopes. I was going with laughed, but I, you want to go got, with marvel? Okay. Well, I guess we'd, we'd laugh on Monday, but we'd marvel at it on Fridays. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. Okay, I'm excited for football this Thursday. You got the Rams. You got the Bills. Bills. This is a big, big match. Yeah. But I'm also, I think, equally excited for Big Six. Yeah. It's like the Canucks season. You don't know which direction it's going to go, folks. <laughs> I just know we need a better season. We, we need we need to restore some glories uh, with that segment. Uh, it's Bick Nazar, Randy Janda. Let's connect now with Matthew Collar, Vikings reporter at Purple Insider and launching a podcast called Hot Routes. Uh, Matthew, thanks a lot for giving us some time today. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Oh, uh, We are awesome. Uh, getting ready for Thursday and also just uh, the, the, the kickoff on Sunday in general. Uh, and, and we want to talk to you about the NFC North. We're kind of doing these divisional previews, but I think this is one of the more overlooked and yet exciting divisions in football, partially because of the Minnesota Vikings, because it feels like there's this shroud of mystery over this entire team, and and too often this division just gets relegated to the Green Bay Packers, and everyone else is playing catch-up. I'm kind of excited about the Vikings, and it feels like they haven't gotten any hype this year. Yeah, I think that uh, the Packers have certainly earned that (laughs) with uh, their entire last, like, 30 years. Um, so I understand why everyone would pick the Packers to be at the top of the division and so forth. And look, I, I wouldn't go against that pick personally with any money on the line, but with the Vikings, it's new with their head coach for the first time in a very long time. I mean, think about, think about what you guys were doing in 2014. Like that's the last time the Vikings changed coaches. And now they have Kevin O'Connell, which not only is a different coach, which just naturally is exciting in sports in general. Uh, You know, Vancouver's had a few hockey coaches up there. Every time it's a big burst of excitement, right? But in this case, it's the exact opposite 
philosophically of what they had before in Mike Zimmer. So he was the old crotchety defensive guy who wanted to run the ball. This is a offensive head coach who wants to air it out with Kirk Cousins and try to get everything he can out of him. He wants to use analytics. Uh, this, uh, you know, during training camp, he was resting players more often because the health and science data said so. Uh, I think Mike Zimmer would have shoved me to the ground if I had mentioned the health and science data telling him to rest his players. Like, you know, there's just a very different philosophy here, but also a lot of the same fundamental pieces as they've had through the last few years where they have not gotten into the playoffs. So the big question is kind of like, how much can a change in culture and philosophy and data usage, all those things, how much can those matter with a lot of the same players? Well, if we look at the individual players, Justin Jefferson specifically, like what kind of uptick could we see him with Kevin O'Connell? Because it feels like, you know, he's already considered one of the best wide receivers in the game, but I see some predictions saying he could have a 2021 Cooper Cup type of season with maybe this this new coach and this new philosophy. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because Justin Jefferson has more yards receiving than anyone in the NFL over the last two years. So they did botch a lot of things, but I'm not sure using Justin Jefferson was one of them. Like, I think that uh, Justin Jefferson should probably not be used like Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup is more of an underneath receiver who's great yards after catch, where Justin Jefferson is one of the truly elite deep threats in the league. He can do everything, but why would you not use him more down the field? So I don't think he's going to get 140 catches or something like that. I think that if his numbers are the same, but instead of using Delvin Cook to drive the offense and then throwing to Justin Jefferson when you get down in games or when you get desperate in games, I think that the philosophy is going to be start the game out with Justin Jefferson. And when you're winning, put the gas pedal down with Justin Jefferson. Far too many times we saw the Vikings get up by a touchdown or 10 points, and then it was handoff, 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 punt. And look, it's 2022. Like Teams are going to come back. They're going to score. And so last year they had all these close games that they caused themselves for not putting the gas pedal down and continuing to throw the ball to Justin Jefferson. I think that Kevin O'Connell, even if he ends up with the same number of catches for Justin Jefferson, if he uses him differently and, and uses him at the right times, I think they can have him be worth more to their offense, even if at the end of the day the fantasy numbers are pretty similar. Is part of the the mystery about this team, because they, they change philosophies and it's Zimmer who's defensive and O'Connell who's offensive, is, is part of the reason they didn't get headlines is because exactly this, it seems like we're just talking about different roles for the same pieces that exist. They didn't have this marquee transaction that says, oh, wow, look out for the Vikings offense this year. It's still Kirk Cousins, it's still Adam Thielen, it's still Dalvin Cook, and still Justin Jefferson. Right, 100%. I mean, and that would be my own skepticism here. Like, we've seen this four years in a row with, uh, with uh, Kirk Cousins. He's always had elite receivers, whether it was Stephon Diggs and Thielen or, or Jefferson and Thielen. Um, they've always had some questions on the rest of the roster, in part because uh, Kirk Cousins is so expensive that they can't go out and spend a lot of money to fill up the rest of the roster and have great depth. You know, this year they don't. Like, you go one layer down at any position, and it's pretty light. Um, for this team, so they can't afford any injuries. And also just, you know, Kirk Cousins is 34 years old. This isn't like a prospect that we're trying to figure out what is he really like? No, I think we know exactly what Kirk Cousins is. And, you know, if you're a gambling man, I mean, what, like the, the betters in Vegas, like what, what do they usually bet on? It's the quality of the quarterback, right, for a season. And with Cousins, I mean, every quarterback ranking you're ever going to see, the ringer put out one today, ESPN, The Athletic, they all do this. Where's Kirk Cousins? 
somewhere between 14th and 17th. And if that's how he plays, if he plays between the 14th and 17th best quarterback, they don't have a roster that's going to take them much farther than maybe eight or nine wins. So I guess that still remains to be seen. The question is if Kevin O'Connell you know, uses the offense a little bit differently, like supports Kirk Cousins a little bit more than Mike Zimmer, can it be different? But I think that there's plenty of reason to say we kind of know who this quarterback is at this point, and it's going to be those other factors. It's going to be the quality of their schedule, the luck. Like, do they get fumble and interception luck, or do they have a few things bounce their way? Do they face a few backup quarterbacks along the way? I think it's going to be those things that ultimately determine it, and then we'll write the narrative later about whether it was the coach's fault or not. Okay, this is probably a good way to transition to the next team we want to talk about. How far will the Vikings, or how close will the Vikings be to the Green Bay Packers in the standings? Yeah, I mean, so a lot of the offseason with Green Bay has been talking about Devontae Adams leaving, and I totally get that. But once upon a time, it was about, what, somebody else leaving, and Devontae Adams coming in, and yet Aaron Rodgers just made somebody else into a superstar. I have witnessed in person that man do so many things that seem impossible by the laws of physics that I'm not going to say Aaron Rodgers won't lead that team to a division title. I mean, it's, it, I think that they're also very strong in the run game. Uh, David Bakhtiari, their left tackle, is coming back. I think their offensive line is still pretty solid. Their defense has really stacked up, and their number one corner, who was out all of last year, Jair Alexander, he's coming back now. Uh, you know, I still think that that is top to bottom one of the best rosters in the NFL, not just one of the best quarterbacks. So even if Rodgers isn't quite as sharp off the gate with uh, Devontae Adams, I still see that team as an 11 or 12 win team. And that's the bar for the Vikings to reach. I think that's the absolute ceiling for the Vikings. And, and that's kind of the gap, right? Like if everything is kind of as it usually is, the Vikings will win eight or nine games and the Packers will win 12 or 13. If there's you know some issues with Rodgers not having Adams and things go right for the Vikings, you can see that gap being closed. It's still hard for me to say, though, that the Vikings could get to 12 wins to really challenge Green Bay in this division. Talking to Matthew Collard, who's joining, uh, joining us here on the People Show, Vikings reporter at Purple Insider and a podcast, uh, Hot Routes. Um, on the Packers, for, for them, like what constitutes success uh, for the Green Bay Packers this year? Is it Super Bowl appearance and bust? Yeah, I mean, they have to reach the Super Bowl or it's just not good enough. I mean, they call it title town there in Green Bay for a reason because uh, every year, and, and trust me, I'm jealous of this as a reporter. I would love to cover a team like this, but every single year they go into the season with the bar being the Super Bowl. Uh, I think if Aaron Rodgers was okay with what happened last year, he would have just walked away with another MVP. Hey, what a way to go out. Two MVPs in a row. He's got all the money he needs. I'm sure he'll get a girlfriend that stays with him eventually. Like, I mean, Aaron Rodgers doesn't need anything except for one more ring to top Brett Favre. And that man is pretty darn motivated to do that. And I think that, you know, that's, that's what's, if you're, if you're that franchise, like how many more chances do you get with Aaron Rodgers here? I mean, the more weird herbal teas that he drinks from Brazil or whatever, the more his body's going to go the wrong way, I think. So uh, you know, how many more years do you have of him being this truly great quarterback? A lot of times what we've seen is, you know, somebody other than Brady will get to a certain age and then the fall off is pretty quick and sudden. So is that this year? Is that next year? I don't know. But I think that anything less than them reaching the Super Bowl ends up being disappointing for them. All right. Looking across the division, you got the, the Lions and the Chicago Bears, who are an elite franchise in the NFL, but they haven't really done anything in the last 
let's be honest, a long, long time. Now, we look at Justin Fields and what he's capable of, a chance of maybe growing this year, showing a little bit of something that we didn't see last year. But is he set up for success back there? Because my worry would be the offensive line. It doesn't seem like their quarterback, the young quarterback of the future, is in a very good situation behind that weak O-line. Yeah, you're totally right. And also, I saw today that they're planning on building a dome stadium. I mean, that is just wrong. What is Chicago, a dome stadium? I, I don't understand that at all. But uh, to your question, yeah, I mean, the roster for the Bears, we talked about the Packers being one of the best top to bottom. I mean, the Bears are easily one of the worst top to bottom. And that's why it's kind of difficult to evaluate what Justin Fields does this year. If they win seven games, that probably means he was really good. Because the rest, I mean, doesn't have great receivers, doesn't have a good offensive line. Their defense has really fallen off. Akeem Hicks is not there anymore. Uh, Khalil Mack is not there anymore. The secondary has fallen apart. That's just a bad football team. Uh, But I'm intrigued a little bit, and I know it's maybe silly to say, but by the preseason with Justin Fields. Because in the games that he played, I caught a little bit of it, and they were doing things, I think, a little bit easier for him. They weren't just saying, stand back there in the shotgun, CFL style and just throw it all over the field. No, I mean, it was, it was running bootlegs. It was working off the run game, stuff that they did not do previously. So I think that, you know, they may have had uh, a big gain in their coaching and set themselves up to be good maybe two years from now. But this year, I, I still think even if they're doing the right things on offense, could be pretty rough for them. Uh, and finally, the Detroit Lions. I feel like they've been kind of a hype team because they're on hard knocks and it's hard not to really be encouraged by things that Dan Campbell says for, for me, you know, that defense leaves a lot of questions. Uh, but that offense, I feel like can be a top half group group in the, in the NFL, even with Jared Goff leading the helm. Yeah. It's funny about the Jared Goff stuff, right? Like he has a pretty tough year last year. They were a tanking team and he was also playing injured for half the season. Then you look at the end of last year, it sort of started to come together a little bit for him. And remember, it wasn't that long ago. The guy was in the Super Bowl as a quarterback and led the number one offense in the league in 2017. I mean, this is not a, a schmuck. Like This is a guy who can play. They have, I think, a top five offensive line, uh, a young receiver in Amon Ross St. Brown, who I think is an emerging star. They signed a couple other receivers to add to that core. I mean, they have all the signs of a team that takes a big step forward. Like every year we do the worst to first. Uh, I don't think Detroit's going to be first. But worst to second is not implausible here for a team that has been drafting high. They get Aiden Hutchinson with the number two overall pick, which I think was – I thought he was the best player in the draft. So, you know, they end up with a potential star there. Um, you know, they draft, they drafted really well last year. They've been putting together these pieces. You know, I think that, you know, if they improve, it'll be about Dan Campbell getting them hyped up and whatever else from all the crazy stuff on uh, hard knocks. But more, it's just the nature of the beast, right? It's like you go to the bottom in the NFL, you draft high, you get your salary cap right, you're able to sign some players, and then all of a sudden you're competitive. I don't see them winning 10 games, but I think that they could push the Vikings. Like, that could be pretty close, uh, much closer, I think, than Vikings fans, for good reason. I mean, they've looked down at the Lions for a long time, but I think much closer than Vikings fans want to talk about. Hey, Matt, we really appreciate this. Uh, Enjoy the new season. I can't wait for things to get going uh, this Sunday uh, as well. Yep, thanks for having me on. Matthew Collar joining us, Vikings reporter, Purple Insider, and uh, launching podcast Hot Routes. And we love when we talk uh, football as well, and the guest drops some Canucks takes. Absolutely. 2014, like you guys did in Vancouver with the coaching changes. That's elite. 
just shows the Canucks brand. It's strong. It's strong. Bick Nazar, Randy Abjanda, uh, the Sour of the People Show. Brought to you by Douglas Lake Equipment. Get the quality turf, construction, and ag equipment you need while staying under your salary cap at the closest Kubota dealer to the lower mainland, DouglasLakeEquipment.com. All right, just a few days then until NFL kickoff. We're not going to just like launch you with the preview stuff all on Thursday. We did our power ranks last week. Let's just do our division winners. We'll do MVP, Super Bowl stuff yep. later on this week and breakout stars and all that sort of stuff. Let's start in the AFC. Your division winners, Randy. All right. We're starting with the AFC East, and this is a team that I think I'm going to hate for the next couple of years. But the Buffalo Bills are the answer. I thought you were all in on the Bills last no, year. No, but they play against the Dolphins, right? So, like, you know, my, oh, okay. my fan interest. But as far as, yes, yeah, Josh Allen showed that he is elite last year. And there's a lot of hype for him. But if you look at that defense, if you look at the quarterback, you look at the playmakers that they have, they're way too much for anybody else in that division. And I'm not even considering, really, any of those other three teams as high-end contenders other than the Bills. And the Dolphins... Yeah, probably a playoff team. As a fan, I would certainly hope so. But when we talk about playoff team versus contender, there's only one in the AFC East. That's the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I, I think this should this be a slam dunk, right? This is pretty straightforward. Let's just move on from the AFC East uh, into the AFC West, which is the most talked about division. Broncos go get Russell Wilson. Raiders go get Devontae Adams. Chargers go get Khalil Mack. And the Chiefs lose Tyreek Hill. They make some other additions. Juju Smith comes in, but the the marquee move of the summer was an exit for the Kansas City Chief. Is there enough of a drop-off that in transition, the Chiefs slip up and do not win the AFC West? No. No, there isn't. Offensive line, solid. Defense, solid. Still have, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the NFL. And what do good if not great quarterbacks do, they make everybody around them relevant. We have that same conversation with an Aaron Rodgers. I don't think that's different in Kansas City. The Chiefs are still the Chiefs. And until they show us over a season that they're not going to be the upper echelon of that division. there's real slippage. Yeah, like Tyreek Hill, I think he's a great ad for the Miami Dolphins. But if there's one team that can make nobodies into stars, it's Patrick Mahomes and, and the Chiefs, man. And they started to do a bit of that at the end of last year, early on, look, there was real conversations of, oh, are the Chiefs really the same team? Feels like teams have kind of figured them out. They became a bit more conventional. It feels like they were trying to be only this big play version of themselves for the opening nine weeks. They kind of figured that out. And if they just buy into that, which I think transactionally they have, that's why Tyreek Hill's not there anymore. They can attack the way teams are setting up defensively. That's why you go get Juju Smith-Suitzer, who wins in zone coverage. If they're going to see a lot of that, go get a guy who does that. You prepare for the future with Sky Moore, who can do that. You go get a field stretcher to still have that element in your offense with MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I have them winning to the division. Yeah. I have the charge with the same amount of wins. So I essentially okay. just like flip the coin, Kansas City wins. I didn't do the whole tie-breaking scenario. I have them both at 12 wins. But Kansas City, I'll just put ahead. But I, I can see the Chargers winning this one easily. I can see the Chargers taking it up a level. You know, our power ranks last week. If you missed it, go check yeah. out the podcast. We'll kind of do a refresher sometime this week as well. But I don't know. For me, I think they're a couple of wins sh- short of that upper echelon in that division. But so far, I think those are the easier decisions in the AFC. You got the Bills and the Chiefs. 
Where do you go from there? Uh, in the north, I've, I've talked about this. I'm buying every Baltimore share I can. Okay. I, I had them in the top four or five in my power ranks. I'm all in on the Ravens. I, I think they're, if they stay healthy, and they get Ronnie Stanley back, back at practice this week, see if he's ready for week one. But if he looks like he's ready to go early on in the season, I got Baltimore winning this division. All right. This is where we were going to deviate a little bit. I don't know if the Baltimore Ravens are, I don't know if they're going to have the a, a huge drop-off. Remember last year, they were injured. They were injured across and the And they board. got eight wins. They still got eight wins. But the Bengals on the other side of things, there's an expectation there. And we'll see how the young group deals with expectation. But look at that offense still. Look at what they're able to do with Joe Burrow. Joe Mixon is still one of the better running backs, definitely in the AFC, if not the NFL. I still think that offense, that offense to me, can take advantage of a lot of teams in that division. And even the Ravens, because the Ravens, first little bit, that's secondary, some new pieces there. It's going to take some time for them to to get up to speed. So I think it's going to be close, but give me that dynamic offense of Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and what they were able to show, I think, when the expectations were low last year. Can we? Can they cope with that this year? I think they can in that division. I have them winning the North. When I announced my records and division winners, say, like a month ago, I, I do it with a bit of a disclaimer. I'm allowed one change, right? Like, we'll, we'll announce it in, in July, in August, but right before the season, I grant myself one change. The AFC South is where I made a change. I was originally ready to buy in on the Titans. Okay. I'll, I'll do a mea culpa. I have been wrong about the, Tyson, the, the Titans for a while. Didn't really understand some of the moves. Didn't necessarily agree with some of the coaching, you know, at time. I'm ready to admit, look, I got that wrong in the past. And I was ready to buy in. And then I kind of looked at the roster again. I, I will admit this is a quality coaching staff amongst the top 10 in the league. And you should be committing to Mike Rabel for the next seven years. And everything that they did leading up to now, I'm on board with. I, I, I screwed up. I'm still picking the Colts. I I originally had the Titans winning the division, mm. and I wanted to buy back in. I just I feel like I'm buying at the wrong time, and I made a switch. The Colts are winning the AFC South. Okay, I was early on the Colts a couple of years ago, and here's the problem with the Colts. They'll cycle through their quarterbacks, and it gives you optimism to say, hey, this yeah. guy's better than the last. But, but they got the best one of the trio now. They do, and this is why I'm ready to be hurt again. If you look at Matt Ryan, I think looking at what he was doing at Atlanta, there's a lot of disrespect there. Because the team was not good. Yeah. Across, on both sides of the ball, we saw what Julio Jones turned into. It wasn't good. We saw, you know, the defense, it was not good. Arguably, even when they made it to the Super Bowl, their defense was not very good. It was a, a dynamic offense. I like what the Colts have done. Like, Pittman Jr., this year, should probably be a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. Like, he should be there mm -hmm. with a bullet. That's how good he is. Jonathan Taylor, if he's healthy. But also on the other side of the ball, like, they look solid. So, I think for most of the picks in the AFC, we're agreeing on here. But the Colts, I don't like the Titans' O-line. And that, to me, is going to be a problem. You That's take a big worry. You, you have a young wide receiver in Burks. He's going to figure out his time. You got Robert Woods. Sure, you know, he's your wide-out one for now. But the O-line, are they going to give Tannehill enough time back there? I don't think they are. So, yeah, I'm with the Colts. I think that's where we, the one area in the AFC where that we kind of separate is the Bengals versus the Ravens. Sure. But the Colts, I'm not buying the Titans. I bought in last year. That O-line is the biggest difference to me. That's why I'm going away from them. We'll do a wild card and playoffs uh, later on this week. Uh, really quickly through the NFC, uh, NFC North, Green Bay. Yep, we agree Green on that. Bay. NFC South? 
NFC South, I'm going to the Bucks. Yeah, I knew you were high on the Bucks, so we did the power rankings last week. Um, I'm kind of high in the, or- the, the the New Orleans Saints, but I think it's too big of a gap. Uh, NFC West. I'm sticking with the Rams on this one. All right. I understand where people are with the Niners. Their defense should be really good. I still think the Rams are going to be better. This is the same thing for me as the AFC West. I gave the Rams and the Niners the same amount of wins, 12 wins. If if Trey Lance is good, right? Like, I'm operating on the assumption that Trey Lance is going to be average. But if Trey Lance is good, this might be the best team in the NFL. If he's if he's legitimately good, if he lands somewhere between average and, say, like, Patrick Mahomes' rookie year yeah. or his first year, if he lands somewhere in that gap, this might be the best team in the NFL. I see, that's where I'm still having the biggest question mark. And, sure. And that's where, like, I look at that team and say, that's a huge question mark to have. Yes. Huge question mark. I'm currently, I've built this out as if he's just average, and they're going to find a way to manufacture offense with him. And Kyle Shanahan's done it with Johnny Menzel and Robert Griffin and a host of other guys. Yeah. You think Nick Mullins, like, this guy, really? If, if you can get baseline average quarterback play, I think they get 12 wins. Uh, and finally, NFC East. Okay, I'm... I'm. This is the one I'm having a tough time with. On paper, I think there's a lot of hype towards the Eagles. Next level, Jalen Hurts. I don't believe, but I don't believe anything that's going on in that division either. The Cowboys are not the Cowboys of two years ago. That hype train around them is stalling, if if moving at all. And the rest of the division is junk. Eagles, but I'm not confident in them beyond the division. The, div- the division to me is sure. back to the NFC least. I, I did it with a bullet. Philadelphia Eagles by two games over okay. the Dallas Cowboys. I just feel, don't like that division. Feel really good about that one. I really like the Eagles. All right. Adding Gardner Johnson was a good move a couple of weeks yeah. ago as well. So they got a little bit better there. Obviously, some big moves with AJ so, Brown. A lot of similarity here. The only one we really differed on is uh, the AFC South. AFC South, and I'm a little bit more. Um, no, AFC South we agreed on. NFC North, or sorry, AFC North sorry. is the one we disagreed on. Yes, the AFC North. I'm just not as confident with the NFC East, though. I'll say Eagles, but not not a huge fan of. I guess Jalen Hurts has to show me what what that next level is. You want the big star in your helmet? I'm inching that way. We'll see. All right, send us yours six fifty six fifty, and also your chance to sound off. We'll open up the phone boards. Grab a phone line now six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty. Your thoughts on the Vancouver Canucks decision? To extend JT Miller, if you haven't had your say, now's your chance. 604-280-0650. Back in a minute. Home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650. This is The People's Show with Big Nazar and Randy Janda. It's Hour of the People Show, brought to you by Douglas Lake Equipment. Get the quality turf, construction, and ag equipment you need while staying under your salary cap at the closest Kubota dealer to the lower mainland, DouglasLakeEquipment.com. I feel like Dom has just been vibing for, what, five days? You left on uh, Thursday? Friday? Friday morning. Thursday morning. Thursday morning. Based on this musical selection, do you go to Vegas or do you go to, like, Berlin, man? I'm not really... Uh, both. Both. Because right. I went to Europe before that. Ah, there, there you go. Still in that European my, mindset. And, my Euro and, trash is showing. And and the and, and the whole uh, Vegas experience is like, if you, if you want a part of each part of the world, it's like you can find something That's true. in Vegas. That's true. I got to say, I've been to Vegas a few times in my life. Vic, you have as well. Dom looks really put together for coming back from Vegas on a long weekend. You I'm know a why? veteran. You know why? Why is that? Big winner. That's right. 
If, if, if you were, you didn't come back shirtless. If yeah, if you were penniless after a Vegas trip, you were kind of like moping. And Dom had a spring in his step upon arriving, and we said, "Man cleaned up. Man cleaned up." Can you uh, explain to us which bet won you and put you over the top? It was actually a down going into uh, Sunday morning, right? But then a certain uh, soccer match. Uh, the oh, was under- there a match on Sunday? Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. A certain underdog uh, won me big money. There were an underdog at home? Are you talking about Bournemouth versus Leicester City? <laughs> that was a big match. Uh, Brighton Hove Albion, actually. Oh, sorry, yeah. Brighton. That's the one. Uh, no, United. Uh, yeah! Big winners against Arsenal won me Woo! a lot of money back. It, it won a lot of people a lot of things. Okay. Some glory. So for, you're, uh... you're up for the reason that I'm down. Yeah. I understand that. So if you're watching on the stream, by the way, we, we addressed this off the top of the show. Uh, we didn't know we were going to be on the stream today. And so that's why Randy is wearing his very stylish Ferrari shirt. Also a team that's taking a lot of L's these two days. Was yeah. it bad over the weekend? Yeah, we'll get into this uh, with some F1 chat a little oh, okay. bit later on. But they, they didn't win, let's put it I, this I was way. too busy celebrating the United result to look what happened in F1 this week. Yeah, it was... Um, I see, that added a little bit of fun to my Sunday. Otherwise, it was sure. kind of depressing. Yeah, but, I, but you were out in public. I wanted to watch it in the privacy of my own home. Uh, I debated going out to the United Supporters Club. I think it's uh, Lamplighter. Yeah. So, okay. It was crappy because the team lost. But it was nice to be with the Vancouver Arsenal folks in cinema downtown, Granville Street. Good company. Misery loves company. Hey, you know what? Uh, Caught up with our boy Munn, who's a a huge fan of the station, a huge fan of the show, all-around good guy, and and countless others from uh, the fan base Arsenal. So even though, Dom, to your point, yes, we were a little depressed. Misery loves company, yes. Uh, Bick, Nazar, Randy, Janda. All right, we said we'll turn it over to you. 604-280-0650. Vancouver Canucks extending JT Miller, who's on with uh, Tim and Friends right now. Uh, but they've made that decision. They've kind of chosen the direction of the team. Let's go to you uh, if you're chiming in. 604-280-0650. I feel like you haven't had a chance to sound off, so here you go. Uh, jump into the phone lines. Mike in Victoria. Mike, how are you? Good, and I'm loving that Dom's on here bringing the tunes. It's sounding great. All right, your thoughts on the team? Uh, well, I like the J.D. Miller contract. I'm totally fine with it. All I'm hoping is that they can get hope, uh, Bo signed and bring him in long-term as well. And then I'm going to make a bold prediction. Canucks make the playoffs and finish third in the Western Conference, and Calgary and Vegas don't. Okay. Sorry, Calgary and Vegas don't make the playoffs? Nope. All right. That's very bold. And not third in the Pacific. He said third in the Western Conference. It's implying that Colorado and, and, and who's your other team? St. Louis? I think we lost them. All right. But point noted. I should mention, though, Mike and Victoria, loyal listener to the station. He likes his bold predictions. I don't know if he's ever been right with any of his bold predictions. I, I feel like I have to bring I, that up, right? I feel like he must have been right once. I don't have... The uh, evidence? I, I don't have a... Excel spreadsheet and a board of all of Mike and Victoria. I'm doing it anecdotally. Uh, proclamations, okay. yeah. That's that's but, all I'm saying. But there's, he's definitely been right. Come on. Sure. Not that I can recall though. Uh, I don't know if the third in the West is very strong. I, I I don't know if this next person has been right uh, very often, but nevertheless, that's six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty. Tanbeer in Surrey. What's going on, Tanbeer? <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. But, uh, you know, what I was right about uh, that uh, Man U uh, dab against Arsenal. So Tandre, yeah. We can cut him off. We can cut him off now. That's enough. Go. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know if I've ever been right, but you know how last year I was saying that um, 
this team is starting to remind me of the LA Kings of 2012 that, where they were getting hot. 100% what I was right referencing. Time. Yeah. 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 So they were, you know, they were getting hot at that time and I was getting pumped and there was a race for the playoffs and all that stuff. And they ended up not making the playoffs, but it still didn't take away what they did last year under Bruce Boudreaux. I'm hoping that they never fooled us again. In the bubble, they won two playoff rounds. I know the the the, the Minnesota one was a, a play-in round or whatever you want to call it, but they won two playoff rounds against Minnesota and St. Louis. And a lot of people think that those two teams are better than the Vancouver Canucks. I'd probably say St. Louis is better than the Canucks. I don't know about Minnesota. I don't know about Dallas. I don't know about L.A. I don't know about Vegas. And you know what? I'm not going to say the Calgary Flames are better than they were last year because they lost two of their best players. And even though they added a couple of good players, doesn't mean they're going to be the same team from last year. I think the Vancouver Canucks have a chance to make the playoffs. I don't know if they're going to win a playoff round. My expectation is for them to win a playoff round now that, now that they've got JT Miller locked up to a long-term contract. I think that this team has potential. This core has potential. And it never made sense. I guess it did make sense if you wanted to tear it down and trade JT Miller, but I, I, with that Demko contract in the books, why would you not want to try building a contender with that goaltender, uh, you know, stopping the puck for you for the next four or five years? I think it just makes a lot of sense for this team to try to build a contender now, and uh, it might be impatient, but guess what? If you tore, tore it down, it doesn't guarantee that you win a cup when you tear everything down. I think with this core, you have potential, and I think that this team needs to look at them building a contender now. 604-280-0650, if you want to chime in, we got your chance to sound off. And there's a couple of things I want to unpack here. Yeah. The idea of tearing it down and, and, and trading JT, I think the, the, the conversation, like when we sit here and we get to analyze the decision of what Patrick Olivine and Jim Rutherford have done and the direction the team are going. But the process in the this decision also plays a role. And I think, I don't know if it's as cut and clear as, well, 49% of us, uh, of our belief says we should trade him, and 51 says we should sign him, so we got to sign him. But I think there's a an equation that says, here's our best trade offer, and here's what we think we can get him signed for. And we have to weigh these two ideas, and this one maybe slightly edges our idea of taking what the best trade offer. And we've talked yep. endlessly about what these trade offers were. And I think th- this was probably the more prudent decision, because you had to make a decision. Now, this is the hard path to take. I 100% appreciate it. But I never wanted to see this team regress and say, hey, we have to start building for down the road. To Tanbeer's point, you have this goalie on this contract. Maximize the opportunities you can get in the playoffs with him and just maximize the amount of playoff appearances Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes make. That's what I want to see. Okay, this idea of a full-out rebuild in this market, I, I know there's these romantic theories about this is how you this is how you do a rebuild. And while I, I understand that, I think there's definitely merit to that conversation. There's also a sense of realism of at, to what level would that happen in Vancouver? I, I think a reset to a certain degree would make a lot of sense where you're saying in a buyer's market, sorry, in a seller's market, you're saying, JT Miller, there's a crazy deal that we're getting and you have to make it happen. If there's uncertainty on whether this player is going to be back, you have to make that move. But like the real estate market, there's a soft market. And there's, you know, a hot, a hot market as well. And what we've seen here is that the trade market was not a good one, was not a great one. If you're s- seriously considering trading your best forward, you have to make sure that that market is something that you could take advantage of. And that wasn't the, uh, the, the issue for the Vancouver Canucks. So 
I understand the idea of a rebuild, but at best, Vic, it would have been some sort of not full-scale rebuild. You've still got Elias Pettersson. You've got Quinn Hughes. You've got Thatcher Demko, to your point. There was going to be, it wasn't going to be this drastic, you, you know, you strip down this organization, you build from scratch. That was never going to happen. It wasn't. And I wouldn't want to do it to violate the idea of, like, why athletes prepare to compete. And you've got these three pillars of the organization who are on different timelines as well to try to sell to them, hey, we're going to get this right when you're in the last year of your deal and Demko, you got two years left and we're, we're going to shorten the time you can go to the playoffs. Don't violate principle one. Make sure your athletes know that you are competing as well. And that's what this has done. And it's, it's maintained someone that can produce at a very high level. Whether you agree with it or not, and I'm not a fan of the back end of that contract, like a lot of people, in the short term, it does keep this group eyes on the prizes, the playoffs. And meaningful games in March season is over. Over with this contract. They better be playing in April. Playoffs are the goal. And I know it takes a while to build a contender, but at the same time, when you lock up a player for 56 mil and you make that commitment to say winning is now, you better bring the playoffs. That's what this team is really, you know, that's what you're believing in. In terms of Vegas and Calgary falling off to Tanvir's point, I don't see that. I think well, a lot well, of Vegas, people are, I, th- I, see, I think a lot of people are sleeping on Vegas right now. I understand the question and goal. Vegas has to improve. Forget falling off. They have to improve first. Pick their first line, we haven't seen them at full strength. Mm-hmm. Like we haven't seen what could be one of the best lines in hockey actually play fully healthy. I think they're sleeping on, you know, Vegas going on right now, which is something that's dangerous. You got to be careful with that. If you haven't had your voice heard, 604-280-0650, your chance to sound off on the JT Miller contract and the direction the team is going in after that contract uh, got signed over on Friday. Seamus in Vancouver. What's on your mind, Seamus? Hey, guys. First of all, I don't want to take it for granted that Demko is going to be, you know, as great as he has been for the length of his contract. Um, I think that a lot of people forget that he had surgery early on, like way back when, and he's also coming in off of injury injury now. So sure. there, I, I've got a little bit of nerves around there. But when it comes to JT Miller, the fact that there was money left on the table. Seamus, really quickly here. Seamus, just really quickly. Like yeah. if, if, there's, if something slips with, with that or Demko, like how far do you think he slips? Is he a top 10? Is he a top 7? Is he a top 15? Well, that, that, that's an interesting question because I think right now, arguably, if you ask around the league, he'd be a, a quote-unquote top 10 and you could fit him into the top 5 or into the bottom 5. But, you know, it, it could, it's conceivable that he slips into the, the top 20 and, and might be closer to 20. I think that he's got that great skill, but, but with goalies and, and their temperament, temperamental bodies off of injuries – um, and then you start to see the head game come in. We even saw that with Luongo. Like, you, when you have great goaltenders, yeah, they're able to fight through. And we saw that with Demko at the end of last season. But I don't know. It's just it's such a it's such a tough position to put somebody in um, when they're when they're the goalie and and you know there's so much demanded on their body with those particular movements. So that's one thing I just don't want to overlook the nerves. I mean, that I have. I I, I, I tend to disagree, but I just want to contextualize that for everyone else listening. Go ahead. And then with regards to Miller's contract, the fact that there was money left on the table and his no-trade clause doesn't kick in until next year, for me, that's a W capitalized uh, exclamation mark times 10 because this, this 
management group has put themselves in a position that Benning would never have even conceived uh, in his mind. And that's, okay, let, let's say Boudreaux for some reason doesn't work out for the whole season. And, and we all know, like, there's chatter that, that's happened about that. And for some reason, the team doesn't do so well. Well, they haven't, they haven't locked themselves in. And they can easily move a guy that's a 100-point producer, even if he's on an 82-point pace. Uh, at that at that contract level, based on where these other guys are getting their contracts, so I think it's a huge win. All right, thank you very much for the call, Seamus in Vancouver. I know much has been made about uh, the idea that the option to include the no move clause into this year was not executed. Yep, I'm not that concerned about that. I just, I I, I think the contract speaks volumes of their intentions for JT Miller this season, and even if things go wrong. The contract is the the heavy point of. I, I just don't see a scenario where like, oh, we gave you fifty six million dollars, but if this really blows up in our face, we can get out of that. Yeah, organizations don't think about that when they're making fifty six million dollar commitments to a player that they see as a leader, player that hit nearly a hundred points. You're not saying, okay, how do we get out of this thing within a year? It's nice to have that flexibility, Vic. But if you're a management group, you're new in the job, and you're trying to etch not only to your group. And say, hey, believe in this project. But people out there in the NHL, you're not moving that. You're not making that move within a year. That, like, so to me, that conversation, I, I don't see that. Have, have we seen a move like that? Even no. Or, uh... not in hockey. Maybe soccer, if anything, where you sign a player for a hundred million and you sell him the next summer. Sure. But you don't see that in hockey. Do we have to remind that the hockey world is so conservative that we don't get offer sheets? Let alone we're thinking about <laughs> trading a guy a year into a fifty-six million dollar contract. Well, to be fair, we saw a sign and trade this year. That's one small step. One it's, very it's small a step. Very small step of a guy who had to request a trade and elect for arbitration. All this the sequencing that had to go right for for Matthew Kachuk. But yeah, we finally saw a sign and trade. But you're right. We don't see offer sheets. Are we going to get to a stage where they can get out of this deal prior to its signed? No. I think. Uh, and, and plus, then you'd have to go upstairs to Francesco Acolini and say, "Hey, you know that." $56 million you granted us to, to make this contract, we're actually going to back out of it. We're saving you $56 million. I think the conversation comes to, well, why did you ask me to sign it in the first place? I just don't know if that's I don't see that. Like, to I, me, it's not even a, it's not realistic at all. But I understand from the point of view, it's like, hey, they, they did something that they left a door open. Sure. And if, if that's something that you want to praise the, the Connects executive group on, I, I guess. But to, to me, I, I didn't. It barely registered. For I me. can guarantee you one thing. If that were ever to happen, which I don't think it will, that would probably be the last time Brian Bartlett signs a contract with the Vancouver Canucks organization with that management team. Like, that, sure. Agents will be like, sorry, what happened? You don't do that. You don't do that. So that's why I don't I don't buy it. Uh, the, the other thought, too, on Thatcher Demko. Uh, again, 604-280-0650. Uh, if you want to chime in here, your chance to sound off on the direction the team is going. I wanted to give you a chance, uh, outside of just the text inbox, to chime in. That's Jemko. I think it's a fair question. Be like, hey, coming off the injury, what's that going to look like? Honestly, like if there's slippage, I still think he's a top six goalie. Like I, I've got him number three right now across the league. Maybe number four, depending how you feel about Soros. Uh, if you're a big Markstrom guy, maybe number five. Yeah. I think it's Shesterkin, Vasilevsky in their own league. And then it's that next group, and I, I've got Thatcher Demko number three across the league right now. I had Demko in the top ten before last season even started, so if you think it's going to be any lower than that uh, for me, it's not going to happen. And there was a comment made by the caller about you know the mental aspect of things. If there's one thing to marvel at with Thatcher Demko, it's the mental side if of things. If there's one thing he has gone out of his way 
to prepare for. Like, going back to college. Yeah. Did just have an awareness of, hey, this is something I'm going to have to learn with. I'm I, I'm going to have to learn. I'm going to have to deal with at the professional level. How do I start taking the steps now before I have to learn on the fly? That is it. Forget is it, the, yep. the the physical aspect and all that other, other stuff. The mental aspect, I think, is the reason why you bet on a guy like Thatcher Demko. Physically, you don't know what's going to happen in the NHL. And that goes for every single player. You can be certain, hey, man, this guy is a, a physical specimen, but we know injury can happen to anybody. But with Thatcher Demko, I remember even talking to him the first couple of years, even when he was out in Utica and just working his way up. This guy's locked in. He's been preparing for this moment his entire life, at the very least since he was a teenager. And, you know, the way that he was brought up as well and the, you know, the relationship he has with his dad and learning certain things. Like, there's there's an element of this guy's been preparing for this moment for years. So, physically, who knows? You can say that about any player in the NHL. Mentally, Thatcher Demko's there, man. Like he's he stays pretty even keel. Six fifty, six fifty as well. Just look at Bobrovsky and see how weirdly goalie rankings can change. I would also argue that the environment for Sergei Bobrovsky changed outside of Columbus, where we know Ian Clark was, and that reality changed. Thatcher Demko and Ian Clark are paired at the hip now for the next four years. That's an indication that this group should work, and you're going to get stable goaltending all the time. Well, the question I would have, you know, when we're talking about goaltending is behind Demko, in case there is a slip up, in case there, not a slip up, but if there's an injury, how comfortable are you there? And a lot of teams can ask that question. New York Rangers can ask that question. Go through the list of star number one goaltenders across the league. The backup is usually a significant drop off, but that's the area that I'd be working about. uh, If I'm anything worrying about, I'm not worrying about Thatcher Demko. If he's healthy. I don't think there's a slip coming. Lant in Langley. Thanks for calling in. 604-280-0650. What's on your mind? Hey, I just wanted to um, comment on the direction of the team. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I believe I, I, I'm actually finding after the Sedins retired in 2011 and everything like that, this is the first year, uh, 30 years of cheering for the Canucks. I'm 51. I'm going to buy season tickets. That's how much I think that this team is going in the right direction. I will appreciate the call. Uh, Lant and Langley, uh, 604-280-0650. So for all the, you know, okay, I tried to stay away from Twitter this past weekend. Just, there was a lot of stuff going on. I don't need to get into specifics. We all saw. You, you were commiserating 3-1. Anyway. Yeah, and I, I was just, just in general too, the, the Canucks conversation was I, going every which direction. I, I admit, I deleted a lot of tweets. I was like, you know what, I'll just let Randy enjoy the weekend. I sent all my troll yeah. tweets as messages to Izzy. I, I let you have your weekend, and Israel Fair, who's also a big uh, Arsenal guy, I send him all the, the troll stuff. So I, I left you alone. Yes, thank you for that. But yeah. Thank you for that. But my point is, there's a lot of there's a lot of negativity over the weekend, Canucks-related as well. Just saying, hey, the, the future is messed up. Why would you commit this? There's a lot of debates back and forth, all of that. That call right there, I think, you know, sometimes when we're on the, you know, on Twitter, we, we focus on a certain segment of the population. A little bit. There is some optimism on this deal as well, folks. Which, there is look, some optimism. I, I, I don't want it to come across like where we're dismissing uh, the opinions of those that are, are skeptical of this deal. And look, if you want to, if that's your opinion. I, I am one of them on the back end. So like on the back end of the deal. 650 Like you can chime in as well. And we've gotten some positive reviews here, but it's not just about finding the positive calls. If, if you're, if you're skeptical, 604-280-0650, call in. And that's fair. Like, this is just the avenue I didn't want to go, though. 
Like, I, I didn't want to see this team say, look, we're looking at 2025. I, I, for me, it's so important for organizations to commit to the idea of competing. And they've talked about this, higher standards and all this, be more competitive. I don't know how you sell that to these players that you're trying to preach these lessons to when you as an organization are decidedly taking a step back. I think that's a hard message to sell. And if you get stuck in this rudderless ship, and I think it's fair to argue that they, hey, they're doing that rudderless ship right now. This is about, can you get to the spot for this season, a top 12 team, win around, and then continue to grow? Continue to try to flush out some of the money that's a bit inefficient on the roster and continue to grow. And some of the cap spending we've seen, Ilya Mikheyev and JT Miller now, can you make up the value of that as you go along throughout the course of those contracts? We'll try to get one more call on the other side, uh, so hang on to the line. Uh, but we do have Don Taylor coming up on the other side here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.